Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to your favorite literary podcast, Strength to be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This will be episode 180, uh, the first for February here. I'm going to be calling this The Loss of Passion and Imagination in the 21st Century. I know, that's a mouthful, all right. But it's something I've been thinking about for, for, for months on end here. I constantly concern myself with... What happened to uh, our passion generally in life? And what happened to a lot of our imagination? Uh, we've seen, uh, along with the book publishers, that uh, they, just, they do less and less of things in imagination. They're looking for more things that they can copy from somebody else that was successful. Which means that you know it's become more of a moneyed interest. Hollywood is turning the same way. We'll talk about that as well. But these uh, these things, they, they, they damage us. They damage our passion to explore and find new things out, to bring things that are original, you know, to the forefront of an audience. And, and they certainly, uh, you know, hurt our imagination. Uh, it's almost like, you know, if you want to get anything financed, you shouldn't be having too much imagination because that scares anybody that, that's looking to make a profit. And that maybe that's one of the problems with a lot of these things we're dealing with, especially here in America, is we're too interested in, in profit and money, and sometimes I think we forget what's necessary for people to operate with passion and, and have imagination. And this is an incredible irony to me because uh, we're in the 21st century here where we're curing many of the diseases that are out there. We have all kinds of sophisticated ways for people to live longer. We have a better understanding of diet and, and the human body. Uh, we're learning more about the inner space of Earth, and um, I wish we would learn more than we were learning, but we still are. And of course, we're still learning more about outer space. And we now have private companies able to launch rockets on, on, on a daily basis into space. They want to visit the moon again, maybe learn to uh, you know, uh, create a small colony in there, possibly whatever we learn from that, maybe we go to Mars with. That's These are some of the ideas that people are having. But you're going to notice that... It seems like we have more passion and imagination about that than we have about many of the basic things in life. So let's talk about that, okay? And why there's this loss. Some of these things that, that we lost is because we've lost our way in terms of some of our values and maybe some of the things we hold as a priority. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well, okay? We've got a couple of sections over here. The first one is... Uh, convenience of society you have to face it when it's so much easy you know just to go to a gas station and get a bunch of things even if they charge you more for them you know versus having to wait you know a uh, half a day to 
take a buggy into town or drive a couple hours to the supermarket or you know anything that we even did in the last 50 years this convenience that we've had in many ways is actually hurt us more than it's helped us i mean first of all anything you want to buy that's convenient is probably going to be junk okay no, nobody sets up a shop where it's convenient for you to buy broccoli and mushrooms okay it would be nice but uh they don't it's more like soda uh, cheddar cheese uh, sticks and uh, and and some some hot dog that's been uh, boiling uh, on uh, on some rusty thing here like six hours. They got that convenient for you. So the convenience is certainly not good for your health. God knows it's not good for your pocketbook because it always costs more money for these things than if you went farther and went traditionally to shop. But then there's another problem with this convenience. I think that in many ways. It erodes our passion and our imagination. Because you don't really think about, over the course of the day, all the ingredients you want to do to make that wonderful meal at your house. You don't think about, with, with some passion and excitement, you know, about making the trip to go buy these things. Have the fun experience of shopping, even though it takes a little while. And even though you're going you're gonna to run into, you know, maybe some people you don't want to talk to. Oh, well. All to have the experience to come home, cut it all up, assemble it all up, and, and cook it all up. That's a, a, an adventure. That's if you like cooking or if you just like living, you know, with a little bit of passion. That is a passion. That is a, a, a version of imagination. But you're not going to get any of that when you're going to the gas station and you're talking to some guy whose English is like his ninth language, okay, you're getting charged like $3 for a small bag of popcorn, you know, and, and $1.50 for a hot dog that, that's seen its better days, I don't know, before it came out of the pig's butt. I mean, really. This is what you're getting. Are you getting anything passionate or, or imaginative coming out of it? No. It's almost about strictly the speed and the convenience of it all. I don't know what that does for you. What are you trying to get back to? You're not trying to get back to cook. I guarantee you're not saying, I need to cut off an hour from my schedule today because I cannot wait to sweep and vacuum. I def definitely think you're not doing that. So what are you going back for? Probably just go back to watch some TV show you can't wait to watch. Or listen to some album or something, some music. And I'm not saying anything is wrong about those things in themselves. But should we throw away our passion and should we uh you know um suffocate our uh, imagination because we can't wait to get that sleazy hot dog quickly and get home so we can watch them show that you know anything can be watched and saved and watched over and over again so i don't really even know what the speed is anymore it's not like we're back in the free tv days where you know you knew the show was coming on and once it comes on there's nothing you could do about it you had no means to stop it you have no means to record it you had no means to even watch it again you don't know when it was ever going to come back on tv we don't have that sort of situation anymore between you know, uh, DVRs and, and, and between uh, compact discs and, of course, just between streaming. You have a, a, not only an enormous amount of ways that you can watch things, well, you have enormous opportunities to watch things. So why is it such a pressing thing right now? It really shouldn't be. But this is what some people are juggling the whole universe around for. And they wonder why we lost, in many instances, uh, our passion 
and our imagination because we we don't even the bar is not even set low the bar is like in the ground somewhere with dirt on it forget about the bar being low <laughs> it, it, you can't even see it anymore so, and that's not good. You're robbing yourself of some, some living, of some thinking, of some imagining, of some passion to go have an adventure to go shop and, and, and have an adventure to come back and, and make a wonderful meal. Believe it or not, that's actually an adventure. And I, I promise you, it's more adventurous than all those, those bogus boneheads on some action show where they're shooting a million bullets, you know what I mean? Two people get shot, you know, and and everybody's, uh, you know, cursing. Whew, that sounds passionate and, and imaginative. Yeah, okay. Die Hard '85, okay. Uh, I don't know, Bruce Willis in the rest home. I mean, that's about where this is going. I mean, it's it's getting a little ridiculous. All right, but that's just a good example of that. The convenience that we've created in society, it's not really helping us. I think in many ways. It doesn't allow us to sharpen our senses to uh, portray or, 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 or use good ethics. It definitely doesn't allow us to initiate any kind of passion. In fact, it's anti-passionate. You know what I mean? You're speeding things up, and if it's so damn convenient, it's not going to be passionate. Passionate takes some thought. Passionate takes some feeling. Passionate takes some time. We're not trying to sound, you know, seedy over here, but it does. And this convenience is definitely not that for that. And, of course... There's no imagination in this thing. They already doored everything for you. Okay? You ever go to one of those uh, franchise hamburger places? The people that work there, they don't even know the price of the meal or even what the hell is in the meal. All they know is uh, number four. Okay. Large, medium, or small. That's all they know. It's been actually boiled down to something that much that they can't have any passion, any imagination. They practically don't even have to have the thinking. Just hit a button. It's all been thought out for you already. Bad thing. Not good thing. That's why convenience can be a real passion and, and, and imagination killer. Okay? Next. What I call the, the luxury of technology. And, and I don't mean just that you have a washing machine. Okay? We, we've had that for 50, 60, 70 years right now. And yeah, it's definitely a helpful thing versus, you know, hitting your jeans on a rock in some dirty stream somewhere. The same place you're supposed to be uh, uh, drinking the water from and, you, and you're washing clothes in it. And you, you're supposed to be eating fish from this and you, you know, you're dunking your underwear in it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But that luxury of technology it's another way that that's sort of eroding a lot of the human spirit a lot of the human effort that's necessary now i'm not saying all technology there's some things that we could be using in technology whether it's the computer or the internet there are things that we can do positive with it to help ourselves to help our imagination maybe even a, a passion you can plan a a wonderful uh, surprise party for your for your spouse or something neat for your children or you could do things that are interesting artistic and passionate with with technology it's just that you cannot allow it to become something that you become addicted to i mean you don't need to be on the computer for six hours a day hell i use it a lot for all that i do and not on it that long really i'm not I use other things and then I get back to it later and send it out. To me, it's more of a delivery vehicle and, you know, a layout vehicle than anything else. And that's how, if you look at it that way, you can get imagination come back into you. You can do things that you might feel that are, that are definitely passionate. But in many instances, the luxury of technology doesn't always help us. 
I mean, there's plenty of times that we don't need to jump in the car and drive drive someplace. Who says we can't just have a nice walk in the park and talk with people or talk with our loved ones or friends and just do it that way? You can even do a nice bicycle ride and sort of the same way and then you can go hang out in some place and walk. But we need to do more walking and less driving. We really do. And I don't say this for some environmental stuff because, as you know, I'm quite skeptical about all that stuff, you know. One minute you're telling me about some windmills saving battery power and blah, blah, blah. You know, then we forget the batteries are poisonous to the earth and it's not good for groundwater. So, you know, all this renewable stuff can also be just as dangerous as the fossil fuels we have. Again, we need to think about that more and not just be political about it. We need to actually think about it. What can be actually being done that's reliable and safe? If we could do that and think about that, then I'm all for that. And then that's going to be interesting technology that can help improve our lives. But it can't be some just some nonsense, you know, gimmick that just sounds cool. And some in some uh, boardroom who's trying to make money off of uh, of green technology. Okay, it can't be, uh, you know, college students killing a bunch of, uh, you know, um, uh, people's jobs and livelihoods so they could save, uh, you know, two owls and, and a green snake. Okay, we got to come to some terms that are a little bit more reasonable and intelligent than that. All right, otherwise we're just as bad as, as, as the oil producers. They don't care about anything. Okay, because with this is extreme, just in the other direction. Neither direction is really going to help us. We need to find something in the middle there. And luxury of technology, it can be a real problem because, in many ways, it takes things from us. I mean, I know people love all these treadmills at their houses and in the gyms, you know, but I don't care how much you run on those damn things. In the end, it don't take anything but to go out there and run a mile and let your body feel the pavement and, 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 the, and the atmosphere and, and the environment and the wind and all of that. To me, that's a far healthier experience on, on all kinds of different fronts. Can you think about it? You're not really getting the full running impact from a treadmill. Plus, you're inside your house, which doesn't always have the best air quality no matter what you do. So you're breathing in the same crap you're having a problem with. You need to just go outside and do all of that. No one says you can't. Now that you said less expensive and, and than, than, than paying for some $700 treadmill that's going to break in a year or two anyway. Remember, it has moving parts, a motor, all that crap. Even uses electricity that you don't really need to use. You can just go out there and run. Why not? It's healthier. It's smarter. God knows it's cheaper. But this is the things that happens with technology. It makes us do things in many ways. Or at least encourages us to do things that are not always the best for us. But it's a luxury. You know? I don't want to boil this. I, I just want to throw it in the microwave and nuke it. Great. Again. You'll find the more we make things convenient or allow things to become convenient for us, the more snappy and faster we do things, the more we lose. We lose the vitamins, we lose the flavoring, we lose the time that was necessary to prepare it, we lose the passion that wanted to put it together and present it. We lose the imagination of, of maybe a, a meal that can have a different twist to it. All of that. Why? Because... We want a, a TV dinner in a microwave so we can rush off and watch some, some guy tell some corny jokes for an hour. Really. And no wonder why we lose a lot of these things. These are the reasons why. Alright. Now, there's a real decline 
in a lot of people's values. You'll find it in a lot of the principles they have. You'll find it in philosophies they have. And even in religious faith. And I mean the basic religious faith. I'm not talking about, you know, somebody over there blowing somebody up or taking somebody hostage and because they don't like that they hurt their prophet's name or some other nonsense like that. Because that's not religion. That's just people being criminals and using religion as the excuse. General religion has a, has a positive, upbeat uh, approach to it. But in case you noticed and looked at the statistics, Europe and America, it's just it's a declining thing. In fact, I know people less and less that go to church. I mean, at all. And, and I know there are folks that say, well, listen, Mark, I don't really think that re the religious component of a person's life is really necessary for them to maintain some values or, or some ethical, you know, um, high ground. And yeah, you're right. It, generally, it's not necessary. But guess what? I don't find the people that don't go to church a lot, I don't see them any more ethical than the ones that are religious. So what point are, are we trying to make here? You know? If you're going to tell me, hey, I could be just as this or better if I don't go to church, okay, great. Do that then. Because in the end, you're really no different than, than the person that preaches the religion but doesn't really practice it. It's really the same thing. You know? We laugh at the, at the religious folks for doing that. We call them names, but... You know, I find plenty of people with no God in their lives and plenty of people who don't believe in God as they call themselves atheists. And sometimes I, I don't feel that, that they're practicing that properly either. You know, it, it doesn't mean that you you have to hate people and, and be some soulless fool and run around doing whatever the hell you want to do. You know, I, I know a womanizer. He's like, I'll sleep with a thousand women. I don't There's no God. What's the big deal? Oh, really? Alright, since there's no God and you don't believe in anything, I guess it's okay for you to rape, murder, and, and you know, burn cities down. No one's going to get you. You don't have to worry about any internal punishment. It's crap. Absence of God does not mean the absence of law, or order, or ethics, or, or morality for that matter. Because those matters are not necessarily religious. But they are about the conduct of ourselves. And I think that as we've strayed or pulled away from church for, for whatever reason... Some because, you know, we, we live in a modern age and I don't think it's necessary to believe in God anymore. It's old hat, whatever the hell that means, you know. But you strap yourself in a rock and you want to go to, to Mars for two years, I, I, you're going to need God. <laughs> the technology is not going to do everything. I mean, really. And um, some of that is, is uh, the decline in religion because of the, you know, the technology, the convenience, the luxury and all of that. I got that, Okay. But I think in many instances, it, it, it's, it's allowed us to be less civil as, as people. You know, I, I find many people now, they don't even want to practice any kind of principles. You know, I, I think we're on at least the third scandal already of people cheating in, in the military academies, which is terribly disgusting in, in any academy, whether it's college or otherwise. I just, I think it's incredible because the whole thing is based on honor. And loyalty and fidelity. Well, you can't really have any of those things if you, if you can't even just study a bit and take a test like a normal human being. And that, that's, a, that's a real problem. You got some people that actually rationalize it off. What does it matter? They don't really need to know that knowledge anyway. They're out there to take orders and give orders and be in combat and hit the target and take, protect their country. So all this other stuff doesn't matter. Some people actually think that. Well, that's gravely wrong. And I'm definitely for anybody who wants to get rid of them out of the academy. 
and put people in who are going to obey the rules because you cannot conduct yourself as a as a soldier under the color of authority and you can't even maintain some self-control on, on, on a friggin test that says nothing about your character and if you don't have any character you don't belong in the uniform period but we got plenty of people that do this on a regular basis we really do you got pastors out there that are one one instance is trying to uh, lead their church to some good place yeah, by using scripture and, and examples, but in the other instances, they're doing all kinds of nonsense things when they're not pastors. Drinking and carousing and messing around and doing all kinds of things. This is not exactly helpful. I don't care what kind of modern era we have. A lot of our principles seem to be fading. And that, that makes a, a much more a much more dangerous society. It also makes a, a much more fracturous, you know, family unit. When you got folks that... Uh, you know, they just think they can, uh, they can do whatever they want, and as long as it leads to, you know, victory and success, you're okay. Well, let me give you a little hint over here, okay? There's no victory if you're a cheater, all right? And success doesn't mean that you're stomping at everybody, stealing everything, and now you're successful. No. You might have more, but is that really success? No, it's just, uh, just a, a criminal with a few more dollars. Eventually, it'll catch up to you. Eventually, society might catch up to you. But unfortunately, it's done so often that society seems to want to do the same thing. Well, they did it, so why can't I? That why can't I is a real problem. Because I don't know why someone's not sitting in their house and saying, Why can't I be more passionate? Hmm. Why can't I be more imaginative? Why can't I expect more from, from publishing houses or the Hollywood films? They're doing the very same things as publishing houses are doing right now. 18 sequels of this, this copy of that, this variation of that theme, because it's all about the money. If they really want to be imaginative and make the money, well, they have to be smart enough to put together something and a decent budget that's interesting without having to pay these actors a, a gazillion dollars. You can do that. And every time that does get done, it, it does very well. I don't know why they always think, hey, I don't know why that happened that way. Now let's go get Transformers 24. You know? Really. I think we're retired of 23, 22, and 21 already. Alright? This is a lack of imagination. And this is where passion goes out the window. Because it's no longer about the principles or the creativity or the imagination or the passion. It's simply about... Well, can I return this dollar three or four times? Well, how can I do that? Well, you cut off of this and you do that and blah, blah, blah. Throw it out there and you wonder why people are not watching anymore. I'm hoping in some strange, ironic, maybe even a cool way, you know, that uh, that COVID is going to help reorganize more of Hollywood. Maybe they're going to be going back to trying to make some more old-fashioned uh, films or films that just happen to have uh, more of a brain than, than just a gun or... You know, uh, uh, three three breasts and, and and some guy who hasn't shaved. You know, I mean, this is it's getting old and tired. Do something that that people want to see, and maybe because of that, they'll 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 see that 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 that's really what what people want. Because they know theaters ain't gonna last much longer, so a lot of this stuff's all gonna be on the streaming. So we'll see what they're gonna do, but we're gonna have to just keep pushing and, and telling these folks, hey. 
come up with something that's going to make us interesting. Come up with something that's relevant to our lives. Something that we can find interesting that we can use. You know? I'm hoping they're not going to come out with a string of COVID movies. Because that's definitely going to put me to sleep. Because I don't even want that in my magazine. I certainly don't want it on my TV screen. You know? I think we hear it 20 times a day. I think we kind of all got it already. So we don't need to get covid it out. All right? Now, philosophies, uh, you got a lot of folks here that, in many instances, they, they, they'll grab some philosophy that they might feel gets them someplace, even if it's really, you know, out there. Mainly because they've kind of gotten hope, given up hope on some of the things that are out there already, whether it's organized religion, you know, or just uh, you know, the daily grind of life, which often has to do with, you know, Working your best and trying to balance the schedule with a family and do things along that line. That and my and my feeling is, it's not always so passionate or imaginative because sometimes people they adopt these philosophies that that are so out there that I don't know what they really do for you. If people don't really understand what you're talking about, and what do they really do to help the human condition? Can somebody give me a new philosophy that does that? Because I don't, I don't really see them doing that. And that's really the key here. Any philosophy you want to adopt, it's something that should help improve you and maybe improve others. And therefore, life's improved. And you can do something more passionate or more imaginative with that. You know, but if it's just something that is kooky and makes no sense, that's, that's not really just original. Original has to, has to also have some life to it. has to have some meaning to it. So I think we kind of strayed away on a lot of that as well. And, and these are the things that help reduce, you know, our, our feelings and, and our actions that should be more passionate and imaginative, you know, no, no doubt about that. Um, along with our civil conduct, that's the next one over here. And we'll talk about the marital state for here a moment. I, I'm not trying to get, you know, negative here and I'm not trying to get gross, but if you look at the numbers... You got more than half people divorce. You got a lot of people don't even get married anymore. And in fact, when they finally do get married, and excuse me for saying this, they've had more sex being non-married than they had it when they were married because they often get divorced in less than five years. <laughs> it's it's an unusual situation. It, it really is. And and you wonder, well, why did they get married in the first place? Was there passion there? And if there was, what the hell happened to it? I'm not so old-fashioned to believe that people need to refrain from sexuality, you know, until until they get into a committed relationship or even until they get married. I'm not against that at all. I, I wouldn't make fun of it. It it is really the ideal. I'm not sure how practical it is in the 21st century, but I do think that people should have some kind of exercise of control over it. I mean, really, because. What are you doing differently when you get married? I guarantee you're not having sex any different. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, do you have a plan? Where where does the passion go out? Is it out the window when you have a kid? And now you have bills? And now you can't talk about sports all day long? You got me. But for sure, the state of marriage is in shambles. It really is. People get married later, which is not a bad thing. I got married much later in my life. You know, sometimes it's useful because you're a lot more mature and you're a lot more stable in your, your life and your finances. 
you know. But it doesn't really mean it's some sort of a, you know, cure-all. Hey, man, I'm going to get married at 45 and all my problems will be gone. I'm good to go. I'll know everything. No, you won't. Because as a man, there's still a whole lot you're not going to know about women. Whether you're 25 or 45. That's just the way it is. You know, and anyone else says that I'm an expert on women, then they're lying, okay? None of us are. So, it doesn't really matter if people get married later or not. It's not really going to uh, improve their odds or any of that, for, only for that matter. But, it can be helpful because oftentimes you have a better plan in mind and you also have a greater appreciation of the relationship itself. Because when you're older, you know, you don't really want to be out there, you know, dating and, and doing all this uh, mostly meaningless stuff that usually, you know, adds up to meaningless sex, you know, or just friendships that are more based on physicality than anything else. I mean, at least when you're older, you do have a better perspective and you're a lot more mature about all that. But it's not a, it's not a perfect solution, but more and more of society is going towards that way. You know, especially with women with careers and everything, where they'll get married or have children much later in their lives. I don't think anything necessarily wrong with that. It's just that we need to understand that we need to try to recapture our passion and our imagination. And I'm not necessarily believing that if you get married later, that somehow that that's automatically going to happen. I mean, I think it increases the chances that it would happen more, just because you have a greater likelihood of being more mature and therefore have more appreciation for passion and imagination. But, you know, it's not a guarantee at all. You, you can easily get trapped up in, in the rat race at 45 than, than you're at 25. Oh, i got to impress this guy. Oh, i got to get political with this thing. <coughs> got to go out with the boys once in a while. i got to stay home with the wife. i got to play with the kids. Blah, 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 and blah, you know? So... It's not It's not hard to get trapped up in the same stuff, even if you do have a greater perspective on things. It's really about figuring out what your priority is. And I really think that passion and imagination are not so natural that they're only going to come out on, on some ideal circumstances. You can bring them to life by making them a priority. You know, it's not hard to do. I want to have passion... With this woman in my life. Well, if you want to, well, guess what? You got to make sure that your life is conducive to that passion plan. You got to also make sure that she's a priority. That's another part of passion. And, of course, you got to make sure this is the right one you're picking here. So, yeah, it's possible to do all that. It's possible to make passion a priority if you do that. It is. Just like imagination. You know? Mark, how do I get imaginative uh, about a, a book or a movie? Well, let me see here. Uh, write a movie that doesn't include space robots, weird bald guys with machine guns, okay, or, or chicks with their underwear running up their butt. If you can stay away from those three things and start writing a movie, there's a good chance you're going to have something original that's imaginative, okay? Because that constitutes most of our movies right there in the, in, in the, in the bucket, all right? So stay away from that stuff. You're going to be all right. <laughs> that's how you do it. It's no different with the, with the, than with a book, you know? Love Harry Potter, but guess what? Uh, we don't need the 50th version of it. Okay? We really don't. And thankfully, we've had a few more imaginative, creative things that have come out after Harry Potter that's been helpful, like the Divergent series. 
uh, of course, or, or um, the uh, the Hunger Games uh, series. Those are things that were pretty imaginative and creative. They obviously have only so much of a shelf life, but they still have a, a wonderful message. They're imaginative, and I find them very passionate. And I'm happy at least, because thank God it all didn't stop after Harry Potter. But those are examples where people did something along their own ideas and their own their own theories and their own imagination and their own passion that was apart from that. So they're not just doing another another uh, wizard and uh, you know uh, dwarf and uh, a magical chid running around. You know, and he should be home and he's out there. You know, killing beasts in the forest or something. They got away from that. So that's how you do that. So yes, I, I believe it can be captured if we make it a priority. If if it's something that we're actually striving for. I just don't think it's that difficult. And you know what I find incredibly you know, ironic of all of this, the title, The Loss of Passion and Imagination in the 21st Century. This is the 21st Century. You know, where in so many instances... We have so much machinery and technology and robotry and, and rocketry. We got so much out there. We got, like in America, one of the most freest societies in the world and more freedom. It's continuing to pour through the planet as people put their guns down, stop wars, you know, and try to figure out a way to, you know, to make a, a, a better uh, better chicken salad or, you know, a better car or something that for the marketplace so they can feed their nation and, you know, and, and join us in, in, in the nations of commerce and, and the world. And in so many instances, we've lost a lot. So I know for the countries that listen to me that are not America, try to keep that in mind. It's There's a lot here in America to admire. And there's a lot that, yeah, you should be looking into uh, emulating, but don't do it in such a fashion, you know, that you lose. You lose your culture, or you lose your passion, or you lose your imagination, you know. Sometimes... Uh, I find only people who have held on to their culture are the people that don't speak English as the first language that have emigrated here over the years. It's still an important thing for them. And the typical American who's not being bigoted, not even being closed-minded, they're simply just being, as a matter of fact, as, as we've been about this sort of thing on immigration coming into America, they're going to simply say privately to themselves and maybe sometimes publicly, well, yeah, and, and until they really uh, reconcile their life with America and how they really, uh, you know, dive into it, they're going to still hold on to that culture strongly because it's like a safety net or, you know, safety blanket or something like that. And I don't believe that that kind of thinking is wrong. I don't even think that's being condescending because there's some real truth to that thinking. But also, no one says that you can't be here 200 years and still hold on. To that language or that culture or that religion or, or that series of principles that you find strongly to help define who you are maybe the path you want to walk and, and the, the family that you want to raise because it doesn't mean that we have everything out there in fact in many instances in america we've lost a lot of that passion and that imagination and maybe even sometimes that cultural that urgency i'm not really sure why in the sense that that we have that we seem to just you know, want to be, I don't know, just a consumer-driven, you know, robot that doesn't remember anything from yesterday. We get that way, and I, I think we need to sort of break ourselves out of that. 
Don't know if COVID's going to slow us down. That what people are staying home and maybe spending more and more with their family. That they can learn to appreciate more things. And then therefore uh, become more passionate and become more self-aware. And maybe even more self-respecting. Because, you know, if the more you respect yourself, the more you learn to respect others in the community. Or even your neighbor next door. I don't know if COVID will do that. And I know we need that more. You know, in our society. I don't believe that um, we're going to suddenly revert back to Little House on the Prairie because we stop using a washing machine and we start swinging a denim on a rock or something near a river, okay? I, I don't really believe that if you do that, that's going to work that way. I, I, so I'm not saying that we need to ditch technology because we don't. But we do need to ditch the idea of it being over overcompensating over uh, just uh, an addictive item in our lives something that becomes more time consuming than it needs to be that's what we need to be able to do we need to find balance with that technology and make sure that it's not invading everything in our lives it's no different with uh, the, the gas station or the store or just many of the things in modern life maybe we need to cut back on convenience Make things harder because we'll learn more from it. We'll appreciate more. We'll, grand, we'll get more out of it. You know, a trip to a store can become an adventure. Frying some food in a, you know, in a pan, all these different ingredients and smelling them, you know, becomes a, a, a real journey to self-discovery. We can't get that from a cooking show. And I think that's what's happened to us. We've, we've exchanged... The, uh, the camaraderie and, and the family closeness of getting that meal, putting it together, arguing about this and that, and then making it just so we can watch some, some smart aleck, you know, with 97 tattoos trying to teach us about cooking on a TV show. I'm not against him. you got to feed his family too. God bless you. But, you know, I don't want to lose that imagination and that, that humanity and that, that family, you know, and those bonds. Because I'm, I'm watching this another... Because in the end, I'm telling you, watching a TV show that cooks is no different than watching a TV show on robots that are blowing up the world. Okay? Or dogs that are giving birth to other dogs. Or cats that are running around peeing everywhere. It's all the same show in the end. You're looking at a damn screen. You're not living anything. You're not thinking anything. You're just taking whatever the hell they're doing in. I think we need to do less of that if we want to try to find more passion... And more imagination in our lives and in the 21st century. Definitely. You know, and we need to stop this crap about, I don't want to be judged. You should be judged. We all should be judged. There's things in our lives we should be judged about. Running around saying, I'm going to be non-judgmental about everything. That's a bunch of cowardly crap. And we need to stop that crap, okay? Somebody cheats in a, in, a, in a school, they need to be punished. They need to learn why this is wrong. They need to have their character corrected so that they're not actually becoming some loser one day. Or some person that you can't trust, somebody unreliable. Because that's what you'll get from that. All right? It's no different than, you know, the, the, the teenagers, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that we need to ban them from sex and put them in the basement until they go to college or something. But who's to say that we can't just include sex education with ethical education, right? If we do that, we can have children that are, that are sexually active that are, that are intelligent, that make wise choices, that make safe choices. You don't have to be pregnant at 17, okay? But if we promote more of that, I think we'll get less of that then. We can't, you're not really going to get, 
you know, a, a, a decrease in teen pregnancy by being judgmental. But you are going to get it if we're actually talking about how this is not exactly the wisest way to go. Mark, why don't they have a lot of women in mathematics? I don't know. Uh, teenage pregnancy. Uh, no one's leading on women in mathematics. Uh, those are two things right there. Talk about those things. That's how you correct these things. By encouraging the young. That's how you do it. And yeah, there is a measure of judgment in there. Because you, you, you're not telling somebody, don't get pregnant because uh, it's so wonderful to be pregnant when you're 17 with no job and no no money and no no livelihood and no future practically. you got to say, yeah, there's consequences. It's not good. And that way you are being judgmental, but in, in, a, in a, an intelligent manner. We don't need to have all this out here. We really don't. And my uh, my last point here about all of this as writers, because we're talking about writing still and artistic things when, we, when we're talking about all this, is we ourselves need to try to recapture that imagination and that passion when we're putting together our stories, our plays, our poems, so that other people can get to that. They can They can make a connection to that. Maybe it'll be something that turns people around. You know, I know we have a lot of poets out there, and, and I'm sad to say this. I'm even sad to hear it, because I got no problem telling people that's wrong. But you got a lot of folks out there that don't have a lot of passion in what they're doing. You got poets out there that say, I don't know if this is going to change anybody's mind about anything. I'm not even sure, but I'm just doing it. What the hell is the point of doing it if you don't think it's going to have an impact? Why do anything? Anything, including wiping your butt, if you're not going to do it right. If you're not going to do it where it makes sense, where it has an impact. Because believe me, if you don't wipe your butt right, you're going to have an impact in about an hour. You're not going to like that. It's no different. So we got some folks out there that can be faithless or sometimes just negative. You have to learn to abandon that. Learn to write something that... Moves you and you believe can move others. I've heard plenty of people's stories where one poem has made a difference in their life. I've heard people say, you know, I stopped wanting to think about killing myself. Just because I read something that, that really opened up my eyes about something. It's, it's amazing. It really is. So you can do that. I, I'm not suggesting though that you need to sit down and, you know... Um, you know, man, this is uh, this is my poem to help people not commit suicide, okay? That's my whole plan on this. I mean, if you have a plan and you think you can really do it and you want to put that out there, I don't think anything's wrong with that. It's still passion. It's still being creative. You're still activating some imagination. But most of the times when people are able to really swing somebody around in a different direction is because they put down something together down there that they wasn't even sure was going to reach everybody. But they believed in it enough to write it and put it out there. Sometimes our best work you know, that changes people, it could be work that we didn't really know could be could, could do that. But I'm not saying you shouldn't have the goal. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I wish more people would have a goal for something in writing other than, uh, yeah, man, it's about my grandmother and uh, she died from disease that uh, nobody can pronounce. And uh, I'm hoping if I, I sell some lemonade here, I can raise some money for research. You know, because I think we've heard that sort of story plenty of times. We want to hear something different, folks. But I tell you, even if you have that kind of story, 
if you could do it with passion, if you could do it with imagination, I'd read it. I'd see what I could do about publishing it. Anything we do that has those two things, it makes a difference. It'll make a difference in your writing. It'll make a difference in your life. Hell, it might even make a difference in somebody else's life. All right, and folks, until next time, that was The Loss of Passion and Imagination in the 21st Century, episode 180. This is Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. God bless and good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.